Tracking Health on Twitter, up next on The Scope. Examining the latest research and telling you about the latest breakthroughs. The Science and Research Show is on The Scope. I'm talking with Dr. Quinn Wen, an assistant professor of health promotion and education at the University of Utah. Dr. Wen, every day we make choices that affect our health. You know, we decide whether we're going to eat that donut or smoke that cigarette. But I think you would argue that there are forces beyond our own decisions that influence our health. Yes. As an epidemiologist, a lot of what I see in the research is focused on individualized risk factors like their own health behaviors, what people decide to do or not do, exercise, eat that donut, eat that burger or french fry. Um, But our behaviors are in a setting, in a context, and that's not looked at enough. So what are the things that that drive certain behaviors that that impact our health? So there is um, some definitely hot topics in this area. Um, people are interested in the term food deserts, so that's one particularly uh, growing field. Uh, food deserts are places where there's not um, there's a lack of healthy foods. So there you would find smaller convenience stores rather than supermarkets or um, fast food chains instead of more like local restaurants. Perhaps that's influenced your behavior. Maybe it's easier to grab like that burger instead of making a chicken meal. So how do you uh, go about measuring that? We are looking at um, the tweets, Twitter data in particular. So what people are saying that they're eating and like tweeting about. Um, We can also use, uh, if people are mentioning particularly like fast food chains. So we're also keeping track of whether they're mentioning McDonald's or KFC. Um, And also um, social media data could be used because now people also check into places. So -hmm. you can use their check-in indicators as a like how they're utilizing the neighborhood resources and then we kind of look at that as an alternative to what has been conventionally done and hopefully using social media data is going to be cheaper more efficient and can be updated more easily than other types of neighborhood data so how do you uh, go about measuring that i mean what has been the problem uh, up to this point well i think that the idea for this data set i call it hashtag health um, came about during my postdoc years when I was collecting data for five urban cities, Boston, Chicago, New York, Baltimore, Los Angeles. And like at the face value of it, you think, oh, that's not going to be a problem at all. Those um, like cities are well known, but it was just very hard to get consistent data across geographies. Like the only consistent data that we had were census tract data and um, violent crime rates. Um, and those were and everything else varied. So if you're a neighborhood researcher, you're um, you find it really hard to study beyond a city. And so I wanted to overcome the data problem by using a, a relatively big and cheap and hopefully once we build an algorithm, cost efficient uh, way to categorize neighborhoods and also to categorize it in a different way than has been before. Because um, a lot of it before has been focused on like the fiscal resources of a neighborhood. The transit, like is there a bus or train that runs through the neighborhood or is there a grocery store? Um, but what about like the people who live there? Like how, what are people there? How are they interacting with each other? What are they saying? What? Are, so we want to capture more of the social and cultural processes. So it's both like a big a, a untapped source that we're uh, using and also we're capturing a different side of neighborhoods that. Haven't, hasn't really been captured. I mean, the old way of doing things, you have to sort of commission someone to look at one very specific thing, yes. but you're just taking advantage of something that people are doing anyway. So I think Twitter data, like you said, is very good because 
for one thing, it's like continuous. There's always a continuous stream. There's someone tweeting in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, so instead of getting participants like like maybe for 30 minutes, you're going to get like continuous stream and you can update your data very easily. Also, um, it can allow for more massive studies for the project that I'm working on. It's first going to try to uh, capture neighborhood data for the entire state of Utah. So yeah. for, for each census track, we're going to have indicators of food, exercise, and happiness as a starting point. Um, and then we're going to grow from Utah to the U.S. So it's kind of imagining a bigger type of neighborhood study than could be possible with more conventional data. We had talked about the food example before, the fast food example, where you can look for words like McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, what about like happiness? How would you gauge happiness? Ah. What are you looking for? Yes, that's a really great question. Um, happiness has actually been the hardest out of the three indicators we propose to create for Utah um, because we're using a machine learning algorithm to do that. And so you're imagining how can a computer program predict the sentiment of a tweet? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be quite difficult. So we have... Um, we're starting with a continuous scale of one to nine. So we're using a data set that has about 10,000 words that have been scored for happiness. And then so for each word is assigned happiness value. And then for each tweet, we just summarize all the happiness values for that tweet. So we compared it with um, human ratings. So that's a gold standard. If you're, a human is reading it and what are they saying? Is this tweet neutral, negative, or positive? Mm-hmm. And the agreement is around 73%. I imagine you're selecting for sort of a young population that probably it's kind of the 20, 30-year-olds that are mostly tweeting. More people who use Twitter are younger. So when we're, um, we're going to pilot our social media database so looking at young adult outcomes, and that was intentional because we recognize that Social media users tend to be younger. How do you even find out what they're unhappy about? For us, we think that happiness is important because the happiness might be related to an array of different things. Like our first like pilot study will look at whether these indicators are going to predict young adult obesity. Mm. Um, but then I could see it also predicting perhaps suicide or um, depression in the community. As the health professionals, we know that Health is like not just the absence of disease. It's like a little bit more. It's like um, I think the ultimate goal is happiness because the when you're around happy people, maybe that also breeds happiness. Like it might mm-hmm. be a contagion effect, and the vice versa. If you're in a sad community, maybe that's also detrimental to your own mental health. Interesting, informative, and all in the name of better health. This is the Scope Health Sciences Radio.